on hosting these weekly calls. And the purpose is to learn uh, to share what are other leaders doing around the state of Washington and also to use this platform as an opportunity to share what the state is doing. So we invite state agencies. We also have guest speakers that will join us. Last week we had the Mexican consulate join us and we also had uh, community health providers in the past. I think last week too, updates what they're doing around the state. And then what we do is the first part, it's more of a presentation and then we leave the last part for updates around the regions. So people are sharing with us what they're doing. Um, there are times when the media is on the call. I don't see them right now uh, on it. They were, um, but they may jump on, but you'll see them um, as they do. And the call is recorded. So, all right, Maria. And today, Maria, I, I facilitated last week. So Maria is gonna facilitate this one. I take the baton today. Yes. Um, all right, so thanks Nina for, for that update. I just wanted to let you guys know that we are officially recording. Um, Nina, you covered most of our spiel. Um, I think most everybody on here already gets our email updates, but in case you don't, uh, you can send us an email at hispanic at cha.wa.gov or Latino Civic Alliance, sorry, info at latinocivicalliance.org and we can get you on a distribution list. Uh, today, we're going to hear from uh, Mariana Hernandez. She is from Employment Security Department. Um, I know Nina was talking about how there's some misinformation out there on um, unemployment insurance, about funding running out, um, and then there's also questions about uh, the, the conference call, sorry, not the conference call, but the customer service line and wait times. So we wanted to have an opportunity for them to have let us know some more information on that. Um, we've got Rochelle Davis from the governor's office, um, senior policy advisor, and she's going to talk about the language access plan a memo that the governor issued maybe last week or two weeks ago. Uh, the days are melting in my head. And we'll hear from Wizen for some updates, and then we'll have some time for regional report out. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Mariana, are you are you there? I am here. Um, good afternoon, um, everybody. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, so thank you for having me again. Um, I just wanted to provide a quick update of um, how our agency is doing. Um, and yes, we have heard um, that there is a little bit of confusion in regards to different topics. So um, first, I'm going to address the um, issue of trying to get through our phone line. So we are continuing to experience high call volumes. Um, what we're urging people to do is that if they have general questions to please first visit our uh, website um, and the website information is in English and Spanish so we do have it in both languages um, to make sure that you're going through the questions there and see if you can find your answer so that's the first thing that we are urging people to do um, to make sure that they visit the website if um, folks are also having uh, an issue with they're not getting benefits, um, please make sure that you are also reviewing any documentation that we're sending you, um, any letters that are being sent out to you to uh, figure out what the issue may be that we may have additional questions um, that you need to answer um, if you signed up for um, mail through um, 
your email, please make sure that you check your junk mail. A lot of people are uh, not seeing it coming through the regular mail because it's going through their um, junk email box. So please make sure that you're checking those as well. Um, and if the, you do get a letter stating that we need additional information, please make sure that you respond to that letter um, either by mail or by utilizing your e-services account um, so we can um, be able to so we're able to address um, the situation as soon as, as soon as we get that response. Um, our next focus as an agency is to now that you know we've had that mass um, flow of applications coming into our agency, our next focus is trying to address all these um, issues that people may be having. So um, if they're not receiving payment, that is what we're focusing on. Why are they not receiving payment? Is it because they answered um, something within their application that is potentially holding up their payment? Um, are there, you know, potentially missing wages? W what are the issues? So that's our main focus. We have different task groups that are um, taking a look at all of the uh, preventing payment issues within our system uh, to try and identify what are the most common ones. Uh, and with that information, we're also updating our website to provide more information so that way when people apply, um, they don't make those common mistakes. So that's why we are urging people to, um, to visit our website and, and take a look at the Q&As there. Um, uh, the other, uh, topic that we've been hearing is that people are afraid that our funding is going to run out. Um, we want to make sure that it's very clear to everybody that um, unemployment benefits are not like the, you know, the, the loans that our uh, businesses are applying for right now. The unemployment benefits are uh, federally funded and there is no cap, so the benefits don't run out. Um, for the extensions, such as the pandemic unemployment assistance, that extension is uh, meant for for self-employed individuals and the independent contractors and that extension is available until the end of the year. Regular unemployment benefits, anybody can apply at any time and receive those benefits if they're otherwise eligible. Um, if they run out of those benefits, like we've stated before, there is an extension on that um, and that extension is also good until the end of the year. So it's very important for us to reiterate that unemployment benefits don't function the same way as loans. Um, so our agency continues to receive funding um, for individuals who are applying uh, for unemployment. The other um, issue that we're seeing is that people think that they have to apply uh, for their weekly claims on Sundays only. Um, and you that's a very common misconception. Uh, no, you have from Sunday all the way up to Saturday to um, submit your weekly claim. So we are urging people that if you um, if if you want to if you want to file your weekly claim and you have that flexibility of being able to do it during the week to do that as well. Because if, as you can imagine, if we had, I think it was about two weeks ago on a Sunday, we were expecting to have uh, close to a million uh, weekly claims filed filed through our system. So if you can imagine having that many people filing their weekly claims just on Sunday, obviously it can definitely crash systems. Um, so that's why we're urging that if you are able to file on a different day during the week to please do so, you're still going to get your uh, regular um, payment. So those are just a couple points that we're seeing. Uh, like I said, our next focus is the adjudication piece. So addressing anything that may be preventing payment for, um, for folks that are filing for unemployment benefits. Um, and we are still urging um, everybody to continue to visit our website. Um, 
I know that you uh, mentioned the uh, proclamation that our governor passed regarding the language access. That's the next um, uh, topic that we're also looking at um, within our agency. Uh, if there's, you know, if we need to expand to other languages, what are those steps that we need to do and how we can provide services to uh, more individuals in their own language, so. Great, thank you. Um, I don't see any questions in the group chat, so I'd like to open it up um, to you all. Any questions for Mariana? This is uh, this is Nina. Just some of the questions I think people uh, with a call line. Maybe you could walk us through um, the call line. The eight hundred number works, right? And I, I know it doesn't crush, but I think um, I think people just in general are uh, afraid. They don't understand what they if they qualify or not. And there's a lot of rumors and misinformation. I'm assuming you are advising um, everyone to apply, whether it's via email or through your web online or on a phone call, correct? But that what is campaigns. Yeah. Are you all doing to help educate the community at large? And what could partners like ourselves, community organizations that have vast, you know, stakeholders help? Because we want to make sure the information is correct and and mm -hmm. and definitely support them and access. And if they have a complaint and they're not getting help, who do they call? I know there's a lot of questions here, but. Right. Um, so I'll, let me see if I remember all of the ones that you, you asked and yeah. try and address all of them. <laughs> um, so regarding the phone line, if yes, you are correct. Um, even if you, um, even if individuals don't know if they worked enough hours or have enough wages, uh, we always urge um, everybody to apply. You can apply and we will determine if you're eligible for um, unemployment benefits. With the CARES Act passing, if somebody is not eligible for regular unemployment, employment benefits for, um, and I'm going to stick to the example of, you know, not having enough hours, so they haven't worked right. enough in their base year, that you can still qualify for unemployment through the CARES Act, through the um, uh, pandemic unemployment assistance um, program, sorry, there's so many programs out there, but for, through the pandemic unemployment assistance program, because that pro that extension of unemployment benefits was designed for people who usually don't qualify for regular unemployment. So there are other options for besides regular unemployment benefits uh, that someone may be eligible for. For that particular program, you do have to have a, been directly impacted by COVID. So let's say that you know you work part time and you don't have enough hours for regular unemployment benefits, and you uh, had been laid off because your employer had to shut down due to COVID. That's a direct impact to COVID, and they may be eligible for uh, for that extension. So the best thing to do is to apply, so we can go ahead and make a determination of what are going to be what what bucket can you fall into, what program can you fall into that, that we can pay out of? Um, so that's the first step. If, um, if you're not sure, we, we have created a checklist on our website that go through a list of items of, okay, these are, this is who's eligible, this is what the requirements are. And that way people can utilize those, and those are both English and Spanish, um, to see, okay, what, what's going to be my next steps? What, what can I apply for? And what do I need to submit? Because a lot of the times when um, folks are, you know, submitting the application, they may not be prepared. So we want to make sure that they are prepared and have all the 
the information necessary so they don't have um, mistakes within their application. So uh, definitely apply. Yes, our phone lines are extremely busy, um, but um, we are trying to answer as many uh, phone calls as, as we can. We have also um, develop a question line so that there's a phone number um, and I can try and get it for you um, while somebody else is talking, but um, if you have just a question. So those are just specific questions, not um, you know uh, just general questions that people may have. So we do have a phone line for that. Um, and that might be, you know, be able to provide uh, faster, um, faster access to, to claimants. Um, and Nina, what else were you asking? <laughs> what about if leaders want to contact you because we're so busy and everyone's doing so much work? Um, you know, are you the person, the contact person or the outreach person for ASD, ESD? Uh, it, it depends. So as you know, I'm from uh, the policy shop. So if mm -hmm. there are specific questions on regarding to policies, yes, um, our, our shop can definitely um, answer those. Um, but please keep in mind because everybody's trying to contact our agency, various uh, different channels. Um, all of us are extremely busy, but if, if you guys are getting a very common question or a very common issue, um, you can definitely um, shoot those off to me and I will do the best to um, to assist you guys with that. Okay, great. Questions? So go ahead, Maria, sorry. Yeah, we've got a couple other questions here. Um, Ed, I saw your hand first, but I, I see Anita's questions here first, so we'll get to it. Uh, I've received questions related to whether freelance workers such as language interpreters qualify for unemployment. So they're one of the folks that would fall under the pandemic unemployment assistance. So they are usually not eligible for uh, regular unemployment benefits, but there are other programs that they would um, qualify for. The first step um, in applying for those benefits is that you do have to apply for regular unemployment. So that's the first step in going through that process. Um, those folks will get a denial saying you don't have enough hours or you're self-employed um, and you're not eligible for regular unemployment. And after they submitted that application, then they will um, see a link to this program, which is the PUA, um, that's the acronym for it. So the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. Um, and that's where they would go ahead and submit their application. And it's really important when they're applying for those that they do check our website because there are documents that have to be uploaded to show the, their earnings um, uh, for last year, so 2019. So there is a checklist that is very helpful. Um, and that way, when, when they're going through that application, they don't make common mistakes. Okay, and uh, actually really a beautifully timed question, what, um, how long do you need to wait to reapply? So if you're denied benefits, how long do they need to reapply to like use that link? Is it going to be immediate or do they have oh, to wait? Yeah. That, no, they don't have to wait. They can do it all in one day. So if they submit their application for regular unemployment benefits, it tells them, you know, you're not eligible because you don't have enough hours or you don't have any hours at all. And they know that they're a self-employed independent contractor or freelancer individual, then they can go ahead and click on that link and submit their um, application for uh, pandemic unemployment assistance. Okay. And then I'll take one last question because we're at the 20, almost at the 20 minute mark. Um, the extra $600, when will that run up? 
So the additional $600, $600 that is um, falling into these buckets is available until July, 20, uh, July 25th of this year. So that's when that additional $600 will, um, will stop being paid out. All right, thank you so much for all of your information. Really, really helpful. Um, I will move over to our next agenda item, which is the language access plan information. And um, that'll be Rochelle Davis from the governor's office. Hey, Rochelle, this is Nina. Marianas, could you, be, could you answer some of these questions in the chat box? And people are wanting your contact information or email. That'd be great. Thank you. Okay, will do. So, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you, Marie, Maria and Nina, for giving me the opportunity to provide an overview of the Governor's Language Access Plan. As uh, Maria and Nina mentioned, my name is Rochelle Davis, and I'm a policy advisor in the Governor's Office. Many Washingtonians have reached out to us regarding the lack of translated COVID-19 materials. In fact, it's one of the biggest complaints we've received from immigrant and limited English proficient communities. So in response, we began working on a language access plan to make sure all Washingtonians have access to critical information related to COVID-19. The plan includes three parts. The first one is related to translation of COVID-19 materials. The second part is telephonic interpretation services. And the third is the creation of a dual and multilingual employee pool. I'll talk about each of these three components uh, in more detail. The first one is, re is uh, translating materials. So all cabinet level agencies are required to submit vital COVID-19 information for translation. This information will be translated with a master contract that we have managed by the Department of Enterprise Services. And this information will be translated into 37 languages. I can send over the list of the 37 languages, but Spanish is number one. And there are other languages spoken in Latin American uh, countries, um, including Ms. Teco. Uh, all of this information will then be posted on the agency's website, as well as the coronavirus .wa.gov website. So information from DSHS about their programs and their service delivery, any changes related to COVID-19 that will be posted both on DSHS's website as well as the coronavirus.wa.gov. And this is true for all of the cabinet level agencies and there's over 40 of them. Uh, the second component of the language access plan is related to telephonic interpretation services. Most agencies currently have telephonic interpretation contracts in place, but for those that don't, we are requiring that they establish a contract and publish this information on their website. Therefore, any member of the public uh, that contacts the office will be connected to an interpreter immediately should they need one. And then the third component of the language access plan is related to our employees. We have over a thousand employees who are certified um, as interpreters or translators and, and or who work in uh, their capacity of their current jobs in a, a dual language role. And so we are conducting a statewide survey of all the state employees um, because there are probably more than that thousand that we have identified and we're creating an employee pool. Um, this pool will be called on to provide emergency translation and interpretation services um, and we'll be using them for other activities as well, such as posting on social media or doing uh, TV radio interviews. 
And so those are the three components. Um, we've already started with the implementation of this plan. Agencies were required to submit to us the names of their uh, lead uh, language access person in their office. And we conducted webinars earlier this week to go into detail about this plan. Um, materials for translation will be required um, next week. And then we'll uh, start with the translation process with our contractor that DES is coordinating. Um, more than happy to take any questions you have. Um, again, this is just COVID-19 materials. Um, we know that folks need access to all state government materials, but this is the first step we're taking. Um, it is very expensive. Um, I just want to put it into perspective. This process just for COVID-19 vital information is costing over $360,000. So as we begin to think about a plan for the state, we'll be coming back to you. We'll be working with CHA um, to create a more comprehensive plan for translating other materials that are not COVID-19. Hi, Rochelle. This is, um, I have a question. Thank you for the information. This is Yasmin Aguilar, um, Deputy Director for Centro Latino. Um, quick question. Um, I'm looking at these, uh, at the uh, approach, the phased approach recovery to recovery plan. Is this in any plan going to be also accessible in Spanish? Yes, yes. That is one of the vital documents that we will be translating. Thank you. And I believe I've actually seen um, a partner, uh, I believe has already started to translate it on their own. And I, um, I can share that with Maria and she can get that out to the community as well. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you for your patience on this. Um, it's been a long time coming and um, it's unfortunate that it's taken a pandemic like uh, COVID-19, but we really are committed to doing this. The governor is committed to making sure everyone has access to this information. So I appreciate your partnership and um, your support with this process as well. So thank you. I think there's a comment, um, Rochelle, for you here by Perla. Um, any more questions for Rochelle? All right, seeing none, let's move on to um, Montserrat. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank yeah. you, Rochelle, um, <laughs> with Wizen. Great. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Montserrat Padilla, pronounced she or hers. I'm one of the co-directors for the Washington Immigrant Solidarity Network, um, and I did wanted to just start off by recognizing and acknowledging that over 75,000 folks from our communities have passed away to COVID-19. Um, I know that we have been reacting, organizing, and fighting back to ensure that our communities are included and protected, but I think uh, it'll be important for us as a community to, to create space for folks to just have that uh, opportunity to mourn and, and, you know, just, yeah, we're all human here, so I just wanted to to recognize that and that right. we need to create that space. Um, so the second thing I wanted to pass it actually over to uh, Paul Quinones, who's gonna be talking about the fund that we've been working with in partnership with many folks on this call and others. Um, okay. So give an overview. So Paul Quinones. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Quinones Figueroa with the Washington Dream Coalition and the Weissen Stern Committee. Uh, I'm gonna share the screen real quick, so one second. Uh, Monse asked me to give an overview of the funding decisions that we've made, as you all may know, uh, the Washington Dream Coalition has been partnering with Wyson, Norp, and other organizations. Over the past months, we've been raising funds and we've raised over $1.3 million already. 
Uh, that may sound like a lot of money, but it's actually still not enough given that we've gotten over 15,000 applications from throughout the state and people are requesting collectively over $13 million in aid. Uh, so we just wanted to give an overview of the application decisions that we've been making and how that has been going. We finished the first phase where we uh, selected over 800 applicants from throughout the state and we dispersed over half a million dollars already. Uh, we had some funding that came from foundations that are geographically based, so there were some decisions that were taken out of our hands. Um, so from that funding that happened in the first phase, before I go over to that, we are entering the second phase, and so we'll be dispersing another over $600,000 uh, to regions throughout the state. So uh, we were waiting for the second phase predominantly because we were waiting for some foundations from the Yakima Valley to see if they would be able to contribute to the fund. Uh, that was not able to be completed, but we know that Yakima Valley has seen a disproportionate amount of people falling ill to COVID-19, especially our farm workers that are not receiving the protections uh, that they need. So we decided that we are going to dedicate $70,000 from our general funding uh, to go to Yakima Valley recipients in the next round. Uh, so that's a broad overview. And then I just wanted to give this quick overview. This is a breakdown of the first funding decisions. We've been able to fund people from 15 different counties of the 39 counties that we have in the state. As you know, people can apply online, but people that don't have access to the internet can also call the Wyson hotline and apply there. We're continuing to take applications. The application has not been closed because we're continuing to fundraise um, and especially get new commitments from different foundations throughout the state. So the aggregate data uh, that we're receiving of where these people are located, the pre-existing health conditions that they suffer from, is helping us to make that argument to foundations and why this is a need, and also to, this, to the governor as we're meeting with him uh, and his staff in the next week, asking for the state to make a more significant investment um, to allow aid from documented individuals. But of the, uh, of the 800 people that we approved, in the first round, a great amount of them, as you can see here, uh, the biggest amount of people came from Snohomish County. Um, and that's due to the fact that we got a $200,000 commitment from the Snohomish County based foundation. Um, and the next biggest group was based out of Clark County and Southwest Washington counties. And that's due to the fact, that's due to the work of people from Southwest Lulac, including Ed, who's here, who have uh, secured over $300,000 for Southwest Washington applicants. And then really it's dispersed throughout the county from them on. Uh, and we have a list of the top 10 counties from where we're seeing the aid coming from. Not surprisingly, the top one is King County, followed by Snohomish, followed by Piers, um, and ending over in the east side with Benton and Franklin counties. So if you all have connections with foundations there or other uh, maybe businesses that could be, we could be speaking to to donate to the fund and to secure funding for these families. We would appreciate any connections. I'll drop my contact information in the chat. But we just want to provide this overview of where are uh, the people that we're funding are based throughout the state. As we know that uh, there have been some uh, more calls for uh, updates, people maybe not hearing back on their application in different parts of the region. It's taken us a while given how many applications we've received, but we've now hired additional staff um, and actually we'll be announcing soon a pretty significant donation that will double the size of our fund. Um, and that's where we hire staff to speed up the process of approving people and getting them their money. 
We are currently getting people their money through checks. We know that some of our community is on banks, so we're working on other uh, creative ways to get the money to them. We are sticking to checks right now because we need to be able to trace where the money is going for nonprofit report reporting purposes. And because our people are located throughout the state, that's just the easiest way to get, get it to them. But I'll send this geographical overview uh, to Nina, or not, I'm not sure to who would be the appropriate person, so you could take a look at how we're making funding decisions, and we just wanna make sure to have that uh, transparency. So thank you for having me. Uh, that's it for me. Yeah, if you could send that, that's wonderful. And to both Maria and I, that'd be great. Okay, uh, I know how to do that. I just wanted to share um, that this month started off with the goal of $50,000 to be able to support mm -hmm. a, a couple folks. Um, most of the money is coming in like as we're speaking. And so the work, the work sure. that this has is to actually fundraise the money, get it into the account and then look at the application. So, um, but we're doing the best that we can. Um, and hopefully uh, we're able to get that, those resources out really quick. The other two major things that I wanted to provide an update is that Wyson, uh, in partnership with many folks again on this call, released a, a resource finder that has over 830 better resources uh, in its breakdown by county and county. I put the statement on the resource itself. We're looking for partners to support and being able to integrate more resources based on counties. Um, and then finally, um, uh, the other major thing on the economic relief uh, push that we all did with over 480 organizations signed on urging Governor Inslee to support an unemployment, uh, a worker relief fund for undocumented workers. Um, we'll be heading into a meeting next week to just talk a little bit more where their staff made of what would that look like. Um, I wanted to give an update and check in with Nina and, and Maria just to let them know that this is happening. Um, at a call later today, uh, we've been presenting some of the proposed structures, right? Again, where we're ensuring that equity is, 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 is uh, uh, the first thing and transparency is also uh, um, the first thing in what we do. Um, and also ensuring that um, I, while many folks might think that that $100 million that we're requesting from the governor might be for organizations, we're urging very hard that that money is straight to people's hands yeah. uh, and that most of it. So um, this money won't be intended to go for organizations capacity building. That's not what 430 organizations signed on to, to demand. We demanded money for community to have in their hands. And so that's what we're as wise in ensuring that that happens um, so that folks are supported. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you so much for having us. And we continue to working with everybody on this call. Thank you, Monso. Great update from you and Paul. Really appreciate that. Um, Maria, did you want to, any questions for either Paul or Monse? Hi, my name is- I don't is see any questions in the chat box. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Gabriela Ewing from Vancouver, Washington. And uh, I gotta say, uh, this is amazing work that you guys are doing. Uh, definitely there are several organizations um, coming up together to help our community. And I just wanna uh, speak about what Montserrat was talking about um, for the money coming from uh, requesting to the governor, right? To help our communities. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in our community is that, and they have reported back, when they go into the DSHS website to apply for those funds that the governor uh, placed in there for helping our families, um, they are being rejected for those, that funding because uh, they insist in requesting a social security number. Um, they insist on t if they have any U.S. citizen children, they cannot apply for the funding, even though they have no social security number, uh, they demand that they have to provide one. And I was actually uh, having a back and forth conversation with um, 
uh, I support children with developmental disabilities in Clark County. And um, I was talking with, uh, via email with the Department of Developmental Disabilities at Clark County. And they're like, well, they're supposed to have the, those resources available for the public and no restrictions. So this is not happening uh, at the state level. So I just want you to know that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. We know that DSHS released a disasters relief program. Um, uh, I have heard some feedback from that particular program, especially on how much people are getting support, financial support. Um, uh, and so uh, thank you for sharing that. I know for this particular demand that we're making to the governor, we're looking into concerns on public charge. We're looking into concerns of uh, uh, accessibility uh, on application process, ensuring that one, that we create an application process that's universal for all the entire state, that there is no threat of potential public charge. Um, and that really falls into the how the funding is um, labeled. Um, and so we have an amazing policy team, including Jorge Baron um, and so many others who have been working specifically on the policy language to ensure that, again, this is accessible, that the, 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 that the actual support is, 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 is um, uh, it makes an impact on people's lives to get back to, to, to you know, surviving and thriving um, and ensuring that it doesn't have repercussions on their immigration procedure, procedures in the future. And so um, again, uh, we're having a call later today from three to five to present a little bit more of that model. And, uh, and again, everything we're, we're, we're building this bike as we're going. Uh, sure. We're talking as we're saying, like, we don't even know if that's what the governor will do, but we're, sure. we're hoping for the best. And so, sure. so maybe what we could do is add, Maria, we could invite DSHS for next week. Maybe have, uh, representation so that we can address these concerns. Yeah, it'll be good to know what has been the response, especially on undocumented folks okay. applying for that fund. It'll be huge. All right. Thank you. All right. Any more questions for uh, Wasson before we move on? All right, everyone. So what we do in this last part is that uh, the purpose of this call is a platform to share what everyone's doing in the state of Washington. And what we like to do is just if you keep it one minute to two minutes, please, so that others can talk and share. And we like to start um, in the rural areas on eastern side. So why don't we start with uh, Yakima and the surrounding counties? Any updates? Well, thank you. Thank you, Nina. This is Ulce Gutierrez with the Washington State Labor Council here in Yakima. Um, and uh, we have been continuing our work around farm worker advocacy. Um, there's been a coalition of different organizations who've been involved uh, at some level or capacity. Um, we have essentially established um, a response team to the um, labor-related concerns being uh, brought forward to the Wisen hotline. Um, and so we're focused on agricultural labor issues. Um, and there is um, some very concerning things happening. Um, and we're also um, advocating uh, for issues at the state level, on the advisory committee uh, on seasonal and agricultural workers, um, as, as well as working with our, our partners on the front lines, advocating for the campesinos, um, like Familias Unidas in um, UFW. Uh, we've also been working in, together with the Yakima Immigrant Response Network to um, collect masks um, and uh, deliver them. And so we've been able to, to do that on a consistent basis. This is completing our second week in doing that. Um, UFW and One America have been also a part of that 
Uh, and, um, and so we want to just continue to encourage people to please donate masks if you can. Uh, 507 South 3rd Street, Yakima, Washington, 9901. Or you guys can contact me. My phone number is 509-833-3096. Um, and uh, that's all. Thank you. Excellent, Dusa. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any other leaders in Yakima surrounding areas? All right, why don't we move up to, on the map, head up towards uh, Tri-Cities. Okay, why don't we now move on? I know we had some updates last week, but why don't we move up to uh, Grant County, Moses Lake, Quincy, that area? I see Mary Jo on the line. Mary Jo, are you still on the line? I could have sworn I just saw her. Okay. Any updates from that area? All right. Let's move on to uh, Wenatchee area. Hello, Nina. Yes. Uh, hi, yes, this is Norma Gallegos. I'm not sure if Karina Vega is online, but uh, Gustavo Montoya is here. We're, okay. we're in Wenatchee, and um, we just want to give a little bit of update of some of the things that we've been doing as far as still seeing a lot of people um, being affected in, in different ways and lacking a lot of information, but uh, continue to uh, be out there speaking up on behalf of anyone that might have some bilingual material to send some of the information our way. I see that the English speaking radio stations are now reaching out to find out about what we see and what the needs are. Um, and I think that's important for everybody to know that uh, everybody's doing great work in many areas, but we still see a lot of the need here as we prepare for the uh, labor work to begin here shortly. Yeah. Uh, here's Gustavo. Oh, go ahead. Hi there. Um, we continue to do all the support to continue to spread the word. Um, I, one of the things that I'm starting to do is to bring awareness to our regional and local um, leaders, uh, commissioners for Chelan County, um, emergency management through Chelan County Sheriff's Office. Um, I, I think it's important to run certain numbers among these leaders who most of them may not be necessarily of Hispanic origin, that our households, even in Eastern Washington, tend to be uh, more dense than the average numbers. Um, this we can find through the Pew uh, research, and there's plenty of statistics of this. Uh, minorities already, as we all know, uh, are mostly affected by all disasters, uh, disasters or any situations that, um, uh, that have to do with health. And, uh, and so my concern for the ag industry for Eastern Washington is we have about 85,000 uh, jobs that are connected to the ag industry. And um, always seeing uh, in concern that uh, there may be more under reporting that we think we have and that any decisions to rush to open early, uh, we have to remind folks that 
Um, Hispanics and Latinos, we tend to be a little bit more shy for obvious purposes and reasons. I'm sorry, for reasons. Um, we don't want to be um, putting people that may be undocumented, good people that are undocumented at risk. And we tend to maybe not report ourselves if, uh, you know, if we are, um, uh, so if we are, we we have the, uh, the the virus, and I've noticed already from some folks here in the community that that is happening, and they're not reporting themselves at work for obvious reasons, uh, and they're quarantining themselves uh, without the resources. So just a reminder to those folks in those positions of leadership, with the uh, health districts and commissioners for each county, to remember these things. Excellent feedback. You're right. And with the state home being the phase one, two, and three, the governor announced, we need to probably maybe circle back with the governor's office. Maybe Rochelle, you could help with that on that phasing more. Uh, maybe we need to share that within our network. Um, so I, I did have a question for you. Um, this is Nina to Norma. When you say issues, maybe could you share a little bit more detail on that? Uh, yes, Nina. And first of all, I mean, I know there's so many leaders out there on the line right now. Um, I think it, we have a huge responsibility. I think that I'm not shy. I mean, meeting with our sheriff's office, you know, the sheriff wrote a letter to the governor. I, I'm sure everybody knows that. Uh, speak up. Uh, meet with your local representatives. I personally have called a lot of our students or clients, uh, perhaps because of the citizenship immigration process that I represent them. So calling them escalates to many other needs. And so what I'm running into is talking to people that are saying, my husband, my son have been tested positive and I haven't been tested yet. Then you go into the next question. Well, why not? Why don't I have insurance? My green card is expired and I don't, I was asked if I have insurance or I'm not calling my employer. So I'm seeing people not reporting to their employers. So just this morning, you know, we have five or six other packages that people are telling me personally, I'm not going to work anymore, but I haven't reported. So those are the things that we need to remind ourselves. You know, I don't have a problem calling that employer or that company and saying, you know, you have people that are not coming to work. Have you called them to see why they're not coming to work or the clinic or so forth? So I still worry about much going on that we might not even be aware of unless we okay. call them for another purpose. Okay. Thank you, Norma, for clarifying that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So, Karina, or if, uh, anyone else from the Wenatchee area? Great feedback, Wenatchee. Thank you. Why don't we move on to the Skagit, Whatcom County area? Hello. Yes. This is um, Elizabeth Jennings from Community Action of Skagit County, and I would be happy to wait until anyone else from Skagit or Whatcom wants to present. I'm new to the group, but I do have a, a couple of updates. It's okay. If you just a few minutes, go ahead. Take. Go ahead. Um, so thanks, thanks for um, having this conversation. I'm at Community Action, and I'm providing some of the capacity and backbone support for some grassroots 
um, COVID health education prevention and what to do when sick and some workplace safety stuff that is based on a model um, by one of our employees, Aris Carias, who also works for the Mount Vernon School District Migrant Student Program, our WIC program, and has a lot of connections in the community. And so she's basically been doing COVID education and providing health and safety supplies in a client intercept model, meaning when, when the clients call her for information or resources related to her programs, um, but then also proactively calling them. And then going to neighborhoods um, based on those calls and providing um, health education on social distancing and um, use proper use of health and safety supplies that she also provides. Um, so what we're hoping to do is to pull together local partners through our Latinx advisory committee to um, to expand that model um, and there may be some some funding from the county that will help us support that so I'm just supporting her in documenting what's going on and then pulling others together so I will send this group our our Latinx um, uh, advisory our Latino advisory committee meeting information which is next week on Thursday if you'd like a, a more full update on that but okay. I wanted to put it out there if other partners are um, interested thank you Elizabeth thank you anyone else from the Skagit welcome County Elizabeth can you share that on the chat your information thank you yes I will thank you right. why don't we move now towards um, uh, Vancouver area okay hi nina this is ed hamilton with um southwest washington lulac hi ed. um how are you today so you guys saw uh, the numbers earlier that we're part of the coalition trying to raise money for the undocumented um in southwest washington so we've we've raised about three hundred thousand dollars and we're working on a few hundred thousand more if we can possibly get it we're also in coalition with um another a group of organizations in the blacp um, and the, um, a couple of other Latin alliances uh, to do two additional things. One is to provide uh, short relief for people just uh, without any um, without any questions asked. So it's mild money, but it's um, just you ask, and all we do is verify that you're a human, and then you're going to get the money. Um, and second, and more importantly, we're putting through and uh, processing several different options for mental health care uh, within the Latinx community. So we're, we have a, a, a mental health therapist who is a dreamer and who is providing us with free, um, well, providing people with free uh, workshops on Tuesday afternoons okay. uh, in Spanish uh, regarding how to deal with uh, mental health uh, in our community as we all know it's gonna be a bigger issue as we move forward. Um, so that's really exciting and we're really happy to be putting that on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. I'm sorry, this is Rosalba Pitkin, and I just want to let them know that uh, we are working also with Ed and with the Latino Community Resource Group. Okay. Uh, honoring with that, too. Just mention that. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. Mental health, we did have some presenters on that the week before last because we know that um, what Elsie has been hearing, too, like many of you the stress on our communities and it's really a hard time and especially for our teenagers and young, our children too, being mindful of what they're experiencing especially with school out um, all right so let's move on anyone else from Vancouver then I'll go and circle back um, 
Spokane, anyone from Spokane? We had some people last week. May I say something, please? Sure. I'm in Grace Harbor County. I oh, sure. Yes. I was actually going to say that. You beat me to it. <laughs> Catholic Community Services. And just to say that um, Grace Harbor and Pacific counties, we have very limited resources for Latino families. And just wanted to say that we're waiting for the governor to release funds to help families pay for their bills and rent because um, we, don't, we don't have that for them. And I know um, the, the general fund has been helping and it's great, but it's not enough. The, um, the funds that the, um, different organizations are um, working on, but we need more. We just want to let the governors, Governor Ainsley, that we need that money to help our families pay rent and and just electricity and water bills. Sure. Isabel, um, how can we reach you? Can you share your phone number, email on the chat? Yes, yes I can do that. We are, um, the only thing that we are doing here is making sure families have food um, uh, on the table. We are working together with the food banks, local food banks, sure. to connect them. Okay. Thank you. And I'm assuming over there, you know, like anyone needing a mask and supplies, that, w that would be helpful too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Isabel. All right. Um, Can I speak? Yes. Who's Hi, sorry. Um, I jumped on the call late, but just in response to um, what Isabel was saying and some of the other callers, I represent Washington State 211 on the call today. Um, for many of you, um, just as a reminder that folks, no matter where they're located um, in the United States, but particularly in Washington State, they can call 211 and get connected to those vital resources that they're looking for. Our, our call specialists are bilingual and we do have a translation line um, with um, many languages so that we can connect with our communities. A big piece is that we can actually help families get connected to the food stamp program available through DSHS. We do the application on their behalf and submit it to DSHS. So they don't have to leave their home to do that. And of course, as we know, the governor did give the award, um, the maximum award to be extended into May for basic food. So for a family of four, that's over $600 a month. And, and that's huge. Um, so especially for those in our rural areas, if they just encourage their families to call 211, they don't even have to give us their names initially. Um, they can just check to see if they're eligible and then um, okay. you know, then they can give their information if they wish us to proceed. So we would just like to be able to help our families out there that are looking um, for those resources, not just food, but rent, utilities, okay. medical, right. whatever they need. Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you for jumping in. That's important. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, why don't we move on to um, now, I guess, circling back to, um, let's move to, uh, I always end at King County, but maybe moving towards uh, Tacoma, Pierce County. Okay. Uh, why don't we move over to Snohomish County? I think we had Yasmin Aguilar yeah. unmute herself. She's Tacoma. Okay. 
Go ahead, Yasmin. Um, hi, everyone. Um, this is just me from Central Latino. Um, the update that I need to give out is we have provided over a thousand food baskets for individuals in Pierce County and outside areas. However, out of those a thousand, we have gotten over 300 families that have come from King County, um, from cities like Bellevue, um, Kent, um, Seattle area, uh, Renton, Burent. Um, because they can't have access to food items on that side. So it would be great if I can go ahead um, and refer some, um, all of these clients because we do have this food basket weekly. So if anyone knows about resources um, that can be provided to these families, that would be great. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else from Tacoma? All right. Snohomish? Yes. Uh, an update from Latinos Unidos in Tacoma. Okay. Um, we've been working with the city of Tacoma to try to get more information translated. Uh, we're also working with the um, coalition or the Commission for Immigrant Refugee Affairs here in the city to try to make the information available not just in Spanish but in multiple languages. And um, we seem to have gotten it on the. Uh, I think they're really starting to pay attention to us after not having listened to these access issues for a number of years. Okay, Chris. Great, good, good work. Okay, um, Snohomish? And Chris, maybe what you could do, because if there's something that you thought was a strategy that worked, maybe you could add it in the chat, because we also share the chat information of what you thought you think was successful, you know, with the successes you've had. And I think all of us should be sharing that because that's important. All right, let's now close to King County. I see King County leaders. No updates? Small businesses? All right. Um, Lina, uh, this is Aide from Molina Healthcare of Washington, and I thought you were going to come back to Clark County. Okay, Just yes, go, go ahead, go ahead. Go Just ahead. wanted to give um, some updates and kind of um, briefly touch base on some of you that mentioned uh, families that are in need of food items. Mm -hmm. With several different community organizations, um, Isabel has connected me with some of them, like, for example, um, the Catholic Housing Services, which help the farmers. And I have been purchasing food items and delivering them myself. So if you have any families that are in need, please reach out to me. Okay, thank you. Great feedback. Nina, may I say something? Yes, Who, who's speaking? Uh, this is Anita. Hi, Anita. Anita, well, I, you know, I just want to ask a question. I did communicate just recently with uh, Rochelle by private here. Uh, something that I have been hearing a lot in my area, in Hoodsport, that is Mason County and Thurston County, and other counties, Grace Harbor, about the moratorium on rent. Uh, it appears that many landlords are not respecting. And I just wonder whether this is just exclusive to this area or... Uh, in other areas, they have heard the same thing. Maria, is Rochelle on the, I see Michelle. Rochelle, do you have any comments or what do you suggest, Maria? Because that, that has been coming up a lot. 
Uh, yeah, uh, Rachel told me that we will continue, you know, the conversation aside, but I also wanted to know whether it's just, you know, here or there. No, it's not. No, I think it's, no, it's statewide. Would okay. you recommend, Maria? Mm -hmm. So uh, these questions have come up as well um, in other forums. And what I have been hearing is that the the process is still the same to submit complaints on on the proclamations not being followed. So there's the coronavirus.wa.gov website and somewhere in here, I will find the link and I will put it here in the chat box. There's a place where you can um, submit a complaint uh, of someone either not following like the business rules or if there's a company, a, a, you know, a rental company that's uh, evicting people. It's sure. one very um, small form, but you can put that information and people are actively investigating those claims. Okay. So Maybe that's what I've do. been giving guidance. What Maybe we could do is Washington Can um, shirt here has a template to provide to tenants that they can share to landlords that they to talk about the rights. Maybe next week we go ahead and bring someone on. Let's brainstorm on that and bring someone to talk about that. Well, hey, this is Nina. Also, in, in Clark County, uh, we uh -huh. utilize the Clark County Volunteer Lawyers Association. They're okay. defending those people that are in Clark County that are being served eviction notices um, okay. to defend them in, the, in that. So that's that also would, another option. That would be a good option. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Nina, just one observation. You know, because our people, you know, especially undocumented, are so afraid to come forward, they prefer to just kind of make every effort to try to make and i have helped quite a few to write a letter to the landlord asking them for you know some time to be able to pay and i have told them you know there are specific places where you can place a complaint oh we are afraid to so we're facing that it's hard sure. to convince them you know okay so i see a chat here paul's offering here in seattle city of seattle um definitely paul i think we should you know whatever help you can why don't we next week let's prioritize as Maria. So we'll have to wait. We have DSHS coming to update and then the housing eviction, including yeah. some legal, some experts to help on on this. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. I just sent a link to there's actually a complaint form for eviction. So I hear Anita and I, I, I get that. This one I don't think is even translated in Spanish, so that's that's an issue. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a link that we can use to, um, fill out on behalf of people should they have complaints. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead before we conclude. There's some more information. Charlotte has managed shared some good information, some links as well. So, all right, everyone, I think we have our agenda for next week. And if any of you need to reach out to me or you can reach out to me, 206-661-0051. Um, be happy to, you can send me a text. I'm really good at answering texts. So, um, so anyway, on behalf of uh, myself and Maria, I hope we, we, you think this has been helpful platform and next can you, Yes. Can you put your number in the chat box, please? Okay. Oh my gosh. You're having me be techie here. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> All right, everyone. So let's, you know, continue to work. I mean, you know, whatever you need, any support to one another, let's be there for one another. And this has been really hard. I know some of us have not been able to sleep very well at night. So, you know, if you need support and friends, new friends, you know, definitely reach out to one another. And thank you, Monse, for sharing about those that have passed away or are sick. It's really, it's a really tough time for our community. So, right, everyone, we'll 
thank you very much and I'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank Goodbye. You. Thank you. Bye, Have everyone. a great week.